the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't believe there's anything more difficult for a local body of believers to do, or for that matter, an individual Christian to do, than to confront somebody about their sin. I can't think of anything more difficult to go to somebody to confront them about their sin, to bring their sin before the church if they don't repent, and then to pursue them as an unrepentant person, I think it's the most difficult thing that that can be done. But when a church carries out church discipline in a biblical manner, they prove that they'll obey God in all things. Painful as it is, church discipline can be healthy. Of course, it's best if the discipline isn't needed in the first place. But the process of confronting and possibly disciplining a member who is living in unrepentant sin ought to not only bring that person back into a right relationship with God and His church, it should strengthen the church as well, if it's handled biblically. It forces the church leadership to carefully examine their standards and the process by which they deal with these situations. It tests local church leadership's commitment to following Christ's instructions in everything. Well, thank you for tuning in to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are delighted to make this Bible class of the air available to you. Pastor Steve is leading us in a series of studies on the topic of forgiveness. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is our main text throughout this series. In fact, if you are able to follow along in your own Bible, turn now to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. We will be considering a couple of important reasons to forgive, but also we will see how forgiveness and church discipline are both essential parts of the same process. Here is Pastor Steve. Reason number one, to prevent excessive sorrow on the part of a repentant man. To prevent excessive sorrow, verse 7 says this, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. By refusing to forgive this man, they put him in the position of being driven to despair, driven to sorrow, because he could never do anything to get right with them. There was nothing he could do. He's, he was drowning in sorrow. We told you last week this word uh, for excessive sorrow means to be overwhelmed by it, to be, to, to, to be uh, drowned in it. Excess, to, to, to be so overwhelmed that it drives you to despair. Now, let me illustrate it this way. Imagine how bad you feel when you sin against God. A believer always feels bad that they've sinned against God, not because they got caught, not because they got in trouble, but just because they have offended their loving Heavenly Father. And they feel horrible about it. You know you did wrong, you know you feel terrible, but you confess your sin. And you know 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 
and you know whether you feel like it or not that God has forgiven you. But what if he didn't forgive you? What if there was no way back into his fellowship? What if for the rest of your life you knew that, yes, when I die, I'll go to be with the Lord in heaven, but there, once you broke your fellowship, there was never going to be any intimacy now. Think about the sorrow. Think about the despair. Think about that. You would be overwhelmed with grief and with absolute despair and sorrow because there was never any way back into the warmth of God's intimacy. Now think about how this Corinthian man felt. Felt horrible about his sin. He had put a stop to it, but God's people, the one who, the ones who represented the Lord to him, the only Christians that he uh, knows, the only Christians in a city of thousands upon thousands in Corinth, they wouldn't forgive him. This is all he knows about God. They've taught him everything. They wouldn't forgive him. Now he's thrust out of their fellowship. And he's not only saddened, but he is excessively sad. He's overwhelmed by it. He's in danger of being destroyed spiritually because there is no hope for him. So Paul says, forgive this man and reinstate him to your fellowship. And I say to you, if on a personal level you have not forgiven someone, especially someone who has repented of their sin, then you need to stop it. You need to stop it today because you are driving that person away from Christ and away from God's people. You need to go to them today, make sure they know that you are forgiven, comfort them, make them know that you are they are restored to fellowship with you, that you're so sorry for what you've done to them, that everything is right between you. So, the first reason we should forgive others is to prevent them from excessive sorrow. But now Paul moves on to a second reason, and he's not talking about how it affects others. Now he's going to talk about how it affects you. You may not realize it, but if you refuse to forgive others, you are in deep trouble spiritually. And Paul explains that. The second reason we should forgive others is, secondly, first to prevent excessive sorrow, secondly, to protect the church from Satan. And you and I are the church. Verse 9, For to this end also I wrote, so that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. With these words, Paul reveals that one of his purposes, not the sole purpose, but one of his purposes in writing his first letter to the Corinthians was to test or prove whether they would obey God in all things or not. It was a test to see something. And what, what was the specific area of obedience that Paul had in mind that he wanted to see that he tested them on? It was the area of church discipline. Would they do the most difficult thing that a church has to do, and that's discipline a fellow member, someone in the church? I don't believe there's anything more difficult for a local body of believers to do, or for that matter, an individual Christian to do, than to confront somebody about their sin. I can't think of anything more difficult to go to somebody to confront them about their sin to bring their sin before the church if they don't repent, and then to pursue them as an unrepentant person, I think it's the most difficult thing that, that can be done. But when a church carries out church discipline in a biblical manner, they prove that they'll obey God in all things. Listen, if you can do the most difficult thing, then certainly you can do the lesser things. That, that's his point. And Paul is just letting the Corinthians know that, you know what, you pass the test. You pass with flying colors. 
When they confronted this incestuous man and put him out of the fellowship, they indicated a willingness to obey God in all things. In all things. Nothing more difficult that a church body does than that. And that holds true for us as a local church at Lakeside. You know, there are many churches that will obey God up to a point. Up to a point. In areas that, quite frankly, they enjoy doing or some areas that just aren't that difficult to do. For example, uh, singing. Most churches like to sing. Music is a big thing in the church, especially today. Giving. That's not real difficult to give. Uh, Praying. That takes discipline, but it's not particularly hard to do. Even studying the Bible, it's not that hard. It's not that hard reading the Bible, having a quiet time. But not many churches in our culture follow through in biblical discipline. In fact, just to test that you have friends who go to other churches, even in our area, it'd be good for you to ask them, in all the years you've been at this church, do you know of any time the church has ever disciplined somebody? I'd be surprised if you found many churches like that. Certainly our culture uh, does not, in our culture, the church does not, does not do that for the most part. They're afraid of lawsuits. They're afraid of, uh, of uh, well, I've got cousins in the church. I can't stand with the church against my family. Things like that. In fact, it's very interesting to me when Michelle and I have traveled to other parts of the world, we have found that the churches in other parts of the world are much more biblical and much more prone to follow through on church discipline. In fact, they would be astounded that the American church doesn't do it. And the irony of it is that the American church tends to think that because we have finances and resources and crowds that we have health. That, Folks, that's not true. That's not true. Um, church, the church in other parts of the world that are generally small and surrounded by much unbelief are generally speaking, healthier than the American church. I do not consider the American church healthy. I consider it prosperous financially. I consider it large. I consider it um, uh, very entertaining for the most part, but healthy, no. I think we're like the Laodicean church where, where Jesus said, you, you think you're rich, but you're poor. You think you're fully clothed, but you're really naked. You really need to repent because you're pathetic. But in other parts of the world, they do follow through on church discipline. And what it does, it really is a test to, to see if a church uh, will follow through in obedience to Christ's lordship. That's really a test for us as a body of believers. We do discipline people at Lakeside. We're not, we're not on a witch hunt, but when things come to our attention, we do it. And why do we do it? Because the Bible says to do it. That's why. That's the only reason. Now, the same thing holds true for you on a personal level. If you will confront an individual about their sin as uncomfortable and awkward as it might be, and it is uncomfortable and it is awkward, but if you do that, I know as your pastor that you'll obey God in everything. I can't think of anything more uncomfortable and more awkward. I know because when I do it, I don't want to do it. And I try to think of all kinds of reasons to get out of it. Well, it's not that serious, and, but, and, and I don't really feel like it, and maybe they'll repent soon. But you have to do that. You have to do that. And it is awkward. It is awkward, but that's really the test of obedience. And if you fail that test, you won't obey God in all things. When I was a small boy, my mother had a hard time getting me to take a bath. But once I got in the tub, I had so much fun that she had just as hard of a time getting me back out when I was clean. 
I suppose Paul was having a similar problem with the Corinthian church. First, they wouldn't deal with grievous sin in their midst, and then when they finally did, they kept punishing the man even after the punishment had accomplished its purpose. We will get right back to our subject after we greet those of you who just tuned in. We're glad to have you with us for Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 as our main text. Let's return to class now to examine this balance that God expects us to have between dealing with sin and forgiving sinners. Here is Pastor Steve. So confronting sin and church discipline serves as really the ultimate test for you as an individual Christian, as well as Lakeside as a church body, as to whether we really take seriously Christ's lordship in our lives. You you can't sing as we sung before with, with Lucia that I pledge allegiance to the Lamb no matter what the cost is, uh, you've got my and not do this. Otherwise that's hypocrisy. Then don't don't say anything like that. But Paul's point is the Corinthians did that. And he wants them to know that since they have passed the test there was no longer any need for them to keep punishing this man. They passed. It is over. Now they needed to just forgive him. The reason I say this, let's put together verses 8 and 9. You'll see this a little bit stronger than if we just isolate verse 9. Paul says, Wherefore I urge you, verse 8, to reaffirm your love for him, for to this end, now he's clarifying, he's explaining it, for to this end also I wrote you, I wrote so that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. In other words, reaffirm your love for him because the purpose of my writing to you, uh, my, my writings to, to exclude him from your fellowship has been achieved. You passed the test. Now stop punishing him and reinstate him into the fellowship. That's his point. You passed the test. No reason to keep taking the test. It is over. And why should they do this? Why should they now forgive him and restore him to full fellowship? In verse 7, Paul said, it's for the man's sake. Now he's about to tell us it's for our own sake. And he tells us this in verse 10. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes. Notice that, for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Paul encouraged the Corinthians to forgive this man by letting them know that he would also personally forgive him. He said, if you forgive, I forgive. I want you to know that. I'm not holding anything against this man. Now, why did he say that? There may have been, and this may be the real reason why they hesitated to forgive. Some at Corinth may have hesitated to lift the ban of discipline that Paul had ordered because Paul had said some pretty strong words to this about this individual. In fact, let's look back at 1 Corinthians 5 and let me show you this. And it may be that because Paul was so strong in his language and wording that these, these folks now said, you know what, I've never heard Paul speak like this. I've never heard anything uh, that he's ever written be this strong. I don't think we should do anything until we hear from him again. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. He says, It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. He's saying it is so abhorrent that even the pagan community would, would be shocked by this. And he says in verse 2, You have become arrogant 
and have not mourned instead so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. He says, you should be mourning this. Instead, you're arrogant, you're proud, you're, you're proud of your tolerance, your progressive, open, liberal thinking. This man ought to be put out of your fellowship. Verse 3, now watch this. He says in verse 2 that if you, hadn't, if you had mourned, you, had been, you had, would have removed him from your midst. But I, he said, for I on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. Paul said, you who are present should have dealt with this man's sin a long time ago. I'm not even there. I, as your apostle, pronounce judgment on him. As far as I'm concerned, he's out. But that's pretty strong. I'm not even there, but I judge him. There's more. Notice verse 5. I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that mean? I have given him over to Satan. Listen to this. This is very, very helpful. It's very sobering. To deliver someone to Satan is to put them out of the realm of the blessings that come to the church. You may not realize it, but to be a member of a church means not only that you're connected to other believers, but that you come unto the realm of God's blessings and protection. There is something very unique about being a member of the church. When I, when I tell you about membership classes or be a member of the church or you ought to be, um, that, that's not to increase membership. I, I really don't care about how many we have or how many we don't have in, in terms of trying to top the charts. I don't really care about that. But what I, what I do care about is people who are, who are not only vitally connected to other believers, as the Bible says, but coming into the church more than being a spectator, more than just being in attendance, is that when you are a part of the official membership of the church, you are, uh, you are within the umbrella of God's protection and blessing. What this means when Paul said, I have decided to deliver one to Satan, is I have put this one out of the church. He is now in another realm. That realm belongs to Satan, who is called the God of this world, the ruler of this world. To be outside of the church is to be thrust into the world. Now, you and I operate on a daily basis in the world, but Jesus said we're not of the world. When you are disciplined in a, in a church setting, you are no longer considered part of that church, but now you are in the world system, which is ruled by the devil, and in this realm, God chastens the individual by allowing Satan to inflict physical illness and even death, if necessary, upon that person, upon that professing believer. That's why he says, I've delivered him to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. God uses Satan to deal with that person in a physical way. That's why when someone is, is disciplined in the church, look for them to suffer in some way physically. They have been really handed over to Satan. If they don't repent, ultimately God will take them home. Now, Satan can't take their salvation away. That's why he says in verse 5, he said, so that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Their soul's not going to be lost, but they're going to be chastised and disciplined, and God will use Satan. They're, they're not in the church anymore. Now, the Lord can still discipline us in the church, but 
there is a difference between that and being thrust out of the church. So I want you to know, think of the Corinthians. Those are pretty hard words, strong words that Paul had had used. We don't see Paul using words like this anywhere else. Very strong words, at least not in the setting of church discipline. But now this man had repented, and Paul wanted the Corinthians to know that he would fully concur with their decision to forgive him. Lift the ban of discipline. In fact, the way it is worded, it appears that Paul has already forgiven this individual and he has a specific reason for it. Notice the end of verse 10. He said, I did it. I've already done this. I did it. Watch this. For your sakes in the presence of Christ. The presence of Christ means the under the watchful eye of Jesus. I did it with Jesus watching. But notice why he did it. He said, I did it for your sakes. There is something that Paul said relates forgiveness to something that's beneficial for you. He's urging the Corinthians to to forgive this man because it would benefit them. How does it benefit you when you forgive somebody? How does it affect you? How is it for your in your best interest? Verse 11 gives us the answer. So that No advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his, meaning Satan's, schemes. The reason why it is so important that we as a church body forgive and you as individual believers forgive is because if we don't, we give Satan an opportunity to exploit the situation and gain a foothold in our lives. Any grudges you might have against someone else are always always, always capitalized on by Satan to undermine your spiritual growth. He has an advantage in your life. According to this verse, verse 11, the devil actually has a strategy for local churches as well as individual Christians. He has a strategy for you. It's, It's found in the word schemes. Notice that word. It's how my translation translates. And that's a pretty good translation. Schemes take note of this. This word that's translated schemes is related to a, to the Greek word for mind. It is not the exact word for mind, but it is related to the Greek word for mind. So the thought is that Satan targets our minds, our thinking, our mental faculties, and when he sees a conflict between believers, he swoops in to take advantage of that conflict by tempting you with distorted thinking. You don't think clearly. You don't think properly. Now, this isn't difficult to grasp. Let me illustrate it for you. When someone hurts us deeply, Satan targets your mind to be vengeful and unforgiving. That's what our natural temperaments and and tendencies would, would be. We want to be vengeful. It's our society. Every action-packed movie you've ever seen is the good guy getting the bad guy at the end, and we applaud it. We've been waiting for this. And yet God tells us, don't be vengeful. Oh, but we like to rationalize our anger and desire for revenge, don't we? We like to call it justice. We say, I don't get mad, I get even. But that's not what God said to do, no matter what euphemisms we use. Forgiveness is good for the one who hurts us, and it's just as good for us, maybe even better. Thank you for joining us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
We at Verse by Verse Ministries believe that expository preaching is the surest way to communicate the entire truth of God's Word. And that has been Pastor Steve's method during his 26-plus years at Lakeside. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith-based ministry. We depend on the gifts and prayers of listeners like you, but please be sure to fulfill your obligation to your local church before considering other ministries. Today's class was the middle of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, you can order a CD or a cassette. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. We hope you'll stop by our website sometime soon. It's versebyverseradio.org. We keep quite a few of Pastor Steve's previous messages there on our archives page. You can also listen to today's broadcast. That's versebyverseradio.org. There are not many things that are more pitiable than a Christian holding a grudge. Those who carry that anger not only rob themselves of God's blessing they actually set themselves up for satanic attack. I hope you can join us for our next verse by verse as we think about some of the terrible things we avoid when we choose to obey God and forgive those who hurt us. This is Peter Silsa. See you then. We are here to give you strength between Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.